welcome to episode 16 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This episode is called Common Thread. Um, I'm going to start with a bit of a catch up because I always forget to introduce myself and tell you who I am and where I'm from and a little bit about my background and I just get so excited that I launch straight into the podcast. So, my name is Faye and I live in Cheshire in England even though the accent is Scottish. I've lived down here for a long, long time now. Um, and I've been crocheting for coming up for three years. Um, so I don't consider myself to be an extrovert by any means, um, but I'm really passionate about it. I'm really passionate about crafting and that's one of the reasons I do the podcast. So um, yeah, I, I don't proclaim to know everything, but I do investigate quite a lot because I have quite an inquisitive mind, so I like to know the answers to things. And then I share those things on the podcast. You can find full show notes at www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com and I'm probably most active on Ravelry within our podcast group, which is the Crochet Circle podcast. And also on Instagram and the Instagram name that I do most under is crochet underscore circle underscore podcast. And I also do bits and pieces through my company as well, which is Knit It Hook It. And um, the company is called Knit It Hook It Craft It. But on Instagram, I am Knit It Hook It. So go, go and find me there as well and see what else I'm up to. So that is me. That is who I am. Um... And then I just wanted to, before I launch into some of like the standard parts of the podcast, uh, I just wanted to have a quick catch up on some of the bits and pieces that have been going on. Now, um, first of all, I'm going to touch on Edinburgh Yarn Festival, which seems like an age ago now, because really it was, it was a couple of months ago almost. Um, but I was planning on doing a video on Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Actually, it was just, it was so busy. And when I looked back at the footage, there just wasn't enough to go at it and I don't feel like it was good enough for me to put out under the banner of the Crochet Circle podcast and and also by the time I got to it I really probably felt like everybody had had enough of hearing about Edinburgh Yarn Festival and so I, I haven't done it but what I did want to say was a massive hello to everybody that came and and saw me and I got to hug and meet face to face that was it was really really lovely to meet people like Anna and Clarissabeth and Charlotte, there were just so many people. It was lovely to meet you all um, and have a little bit of a podcast meetup as well. So there will be more on Edinburgh Yarn Festival in the future for 2018, but I propose to just leave it there because it's been well talked about, well documented. So if you want to know what the festival is like, I would suggest you just type into YouTube because everybody and their dog put up a video about it. And the other bit of catch-up that I wanted to go through was Wonderwool Wales. So this is a festival that has just been, not last weekend, but the weekend before. And it's a really lovely festival and I was vending at it this year for the first time ever. And again, lots of you came and said hello and, and um, you know, just, it was lovely to meet so many podcast listeners. And you were coming and showing me what yarn you bought from the festival because I couldn't really leave my stand other than to go to the toilet but it was just it was nice to have other people bringing their goodies to me so I could see what else was available in the festival I basically saw 
um, from where I parked the van to unload and then to reload and then the pass to the toilet and that was that was pretty much it. At Sunday late afternoon I managed to do a quick wander over to John and Juliet to the John Arden style stand of course and um, have a chat with them and that was pretty much as far as I managed to get. Now what I have done with Wonderwall is taken some video footage but from a different angle so rather than looking at it from a consumer point of view because that's not what I was there doing I've taken videos of what it is like to be a stall holder and to show the setup process and I tried to take a little video pretty much every hour and what I'll do is go through what it means to vend and um, how much it cost how long it took me to do the setup how long it took me to do the takedown so that if you are um, somebody who makes or somebody has a company and you're wondering about what it is to vend at a place like this and what the time commitment is then please um, go and take a look at that video I, that one's not as time sensitive for me to get up so it might be a couple of weeks before that one gets up onto YouTube but I'll let you know when it is up there but hopefully it will give you a good insight into what it means to vend at a yarn show and they're all quite different and then the other bit was I have just come back from Amsterdam and it was lovely um, there's quite a lot going on in our household at the moment not not bad stuff um, like nothing between Matthew and I but Matthew's work situation is a little shall we say fractious at the moment and um, it means that we have got the potential to really change up a lot of our life maybe in the coming months so there's rather a lot that's going on a lot of mental capacity that is going towards that at the moment and also um, you know just from doing all the prep work in advance of Wonder Wheels then doing Wonder Wheel. so by the time I got to Amsterdam I was ready to flake out um, and I managed to get a, like, a lovely weekend in we met my dad over there he flew from Glasgow and Matthew and I flew from Manchester we arrived within like five minutes of each other that was it was brilliant and I got to spend a really lovely weekend with my dad in Amsterdam we went to a gig on the Friday night on the Saturday we went and had a nice like late brunch and yeah it was just wonderful it was a lovely relaxing time and my dad and Matthew had gone to a gig on the Saturday night as well and they were saying well what are you going to do you can hang about in town I was like no I'm going to put my pajamas on catch up on podcasts and I'm going to sit and crochet and that's exactly what I did with a glass of wine and I just I had the nicest time on my own in somebody else's flat and uh, yeah come Sunday morning I actually felt like I was back up to fighting fit and not so tired and just kind of put my little battery level back up so yeah Amsterdam was wonderful and again, I've taken quite a lot of video footage of that, in particular when I was in Stephen and Penelope's shop, which is Stephen West's shop. Um, so I will be trying to edit that and get it up on the same day as this goes out, but that might be a bit of a tall order, so it might be a couple of days afterwards, because I also have to edit down the Tunisian Cal video. So... Yeah, I don't quite know what pecking order they were coming. I feel that probably the Cal needs to come first, then Amsterdam, and then Wonderful Wheels. Of course, the podcast has to take precedence first. So, if you are interested in any of those things, they will all be up on YouTube shortly. But yeah, the one, the one in Amsterdam is quite, it's quite cool. We've got some good video, um, video footage when we were over there.
And I think that's that's kind of the catch-up section. That's what's going on with me rather a lot, as usual. Nothing stands still for too long in our household. Um, and yeah, busy but good fun and lots of like really good stuff that could move our lives on, hopefully. So, given that I've just spoken about it, let's move on to the Tunisian Cal. It finished on the 16th of April. Now, I have to issue a general apology at this point because when the cal was finishing, it was just at the point where I was really heavily gearing up for Wonderwall Wheels. It took me about two to three weeks to really get ready for that show and I just didn't have any time to myself. Even at Manubral having lovely Easter weekends, um, I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday and the Monday and the first time that I got any time to myself to crochet or do anything that wasn't Wonderwall Wheels related was at 10 o'clock on the Monday night. That's That gives you a good indication of how busy I've been. But what that meant was I wasn't really on Instagram, or definitely wasn't on Ravelry, so I wasn't dealing with the threads for the um, crochet along. And I feel really badly about that, but there really was nothing that I could do about it. So I've been in there today, I've done a full catch up on everything. And I, I just love the projects everybody came up with. They are, so varied and even the variations on the same pattern that you couldn't you couldn't pick like any of the cobbled streets cows out uh, none of them look the same they're all just so different we've got stripy ones we've got variegated yarns we've got all sorts in there and it's just it's a joy to go and have a look at so please do go and look at the finished objects thread on Ravelry and also if you go to Instagram and type in hashtag TCC Tunisian Cal, then you'll get to see all of the work in progress and the finished objects that are in there too. And it's, yeah, it's really a, an inspiring um, thread to go and look at. Uh, it's full of beautiful projects, lovely yarns. And I have to say a massive thank you because everybody that was involved in it was so, they were so helpful and so happy and the Ravelry thread and on Instagram everything was helpful and you know everybody just went out of their way to explain what their process was or help somebody if they went in and had an issue because many of us were learning Tunisian crochet for the first time um, and yeah quite a few of us needed a bit of help and there were some core people in that group that were had more experience under their belt and helped a lot of us. Um, out in particular thanks to Jen and um, Tamara and also to Sol who was helping us head up the cow she came in with help and advice to people um, as well so yeah fabulous cow and like I said all of those details will be on the cow video and then I'll get in touch with the prize winners separately as well but my intention is to record that straight after this podcast but we'll see how long I record for so yeah, that's that's it on the Tunisian Cal. And then just a quick thing to tell you what the next one is going to be. And this will kick off on the next podcast, which is due out on the 2nd of June. And the idea is to run a kraal rather than a cal. And it's a craft along. And it's all about sorting out your whips. So not starting new projects. And it could be anything. It could be patchwork, quilting, decoupage, crochet, Tunisian crochet, knitting, spinning, anything, you know, tatting, rug making, rug making, whatever it is, 
it's going to be about assessing your whips and working out what it is that you want to do with them. And my theory is we will run this throughout June, July and August, which in the summer months when people tend to do less crafting anyway, there's certainly a slowdown in the amount that people buy. But what it could do is totally refresh your finished objects and your whips before you start gearing up for the next kind of crochet season and crafting season, which generally really starts gearing up in September and onwards when people start talking about colder weather. And shameful, we've not even got into summer and I'm already talking about colder weather. But the idea is that you get out all of your whips and you assess them. Then you work out what it is that you want to do with them and you would have three months to finish off as many of them as you can get through. So I have got three. I have a crochet one, a knitting one and a cross stitch one. And come the end of the three months, I will have each of those done. So what I might do is pick one off each month and um, I really have to get one done every single month. So that's what I will be working towards. And in the June podcast, what I will do is go through some hints and tips on how to frog um, well. And if you don't want to do a project anymore, what else you can do with it? So some um, charity shop options for you or other ways to pass them on and means of passing them on. Um, so that it's not a case of burning stuff. It's making sure that environmentally you're, you're doing the soundest thing possible. And in the background, I'm also working on a pattern that could work for projects that you have frogged back and then you don't know what to do with them. Um, and it's a kind of a mathematical pattern that will work for an amount of yarn that you've got. So um, there will be lots of help and lots of good um, pointers in the next podcast ready for the Kral, which is going to be called the Festival of Finishing. Um, which <laughs> I've stolen that um, by Margraf on Instagram and Ravelry. She said I can steal it, but she did trademark it. <laughs> she called something the festival of finishing. It was at the same time that I was thinking of this idea for a kraal. I was like, ooh, maybe I shall steal that. And she said, well, uh, we'll have to trademark it. And then she pinged it back to me with a TM beside it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, festival of finishing will be our next um, crochet along, but you've got a good month before I will start that one. There are quite a lot of knit-alongs and crochet-alongs going on at the moment, so it's time for a breather before we start again. But in the meantime, what you could be doing is looking at all of your whips and getting prepared for it. Right. The other thing that I should mention is this podcast recording, I have remembered two essential things. One is my phone and the other, apologies, jangle jangle, is my keys because I don't know if you watched right the way through or listened right the way through to the end of the other podcast, you will note that I got locked out of the house by my husband. He bogged off somewhere. I don't know where he went. And I think I was locked out for about an hour. So lesson learned. I'm out here with my phone and my keys because I'm not being locked out again. I would like to move on next to a book review. Now, this book review was actually ready last time round. Um, lovely Jo, who's Jojo Twinkletoes on Ravelry and Instagram, has done it for me. Um, but actually, I wasn't on top form last month when I did the recording of this bit, and I wasn't really wasn't happy with it. And I also couldn't find my copy of the book. 
I have since found it and so it felt better to slot it in here rather than to put something in that I felt was a bit bungled. It's never, it's never where I want to go. So the book is the latest one from Cat Golden and Joanne's Grace and it's The Shawl Project and this is their third book of shawls. Now I have it in hard copy which was £12 and £1.50 postage and packaging but you can also get it electronically. So you can get it from their website and I'll put links into the show notes and it's also available electronically through Ravelry. And it's a book of five shawls and I asked Jojo whether she, sorry Jo, <laughs> you don't have to be Jojo, I asked Jo whether she would review it for me because I knew that she'd already done a, a couple of them. One she'd done as a test crochet on the Tunisian um, crochet shawl and the other um, she'd done after the book had come out. So I figured given that she's done two of the five that's uh, you know that's a good amount of experience of working with this book to be able to review it for us. And I'll just quickly go through the ones that she has done. So she's done Fog Break which is the one that uses a V-stitch and also broomstick lace. It's a really beautiful pattern. Since this book has come out, quite a few people have made it. It's been very um, popular. And then the other one that she's done is The Temperamental Artist, which was one that, um, it's actually a Tunisian crochet pattern. And again, that was done for the Tunisian cal. Um, Salops did it. A really beautiful version in gradients of blues. Really, really lovely version. Um, very similar to the one that's in the book. So she's had quite a few techniques under her belt in doing these these two patterns. Um, so she's made two of the five and I asked her whether she's likely to make all of the five and Jo's point was that yes, um, there's not one shawl in the book that she wouldn't want to make so she will I say gradually, but Jo has got the fastest crochet fingers I've ever seen. So like, by the time I've recorded this and put it out, Jo will have made all three of the remaining ones. Um, but she'll she'll make them all and therefore feels that it's really good value for money because for um, just over £2 per shawl, you've got some really good um, shawl patterns and really good instructions as well. She said that the patterns were easy to follow um, so long as you read them thoroughly and make sure that you digest the information there. As with many of us, Jo also has a tendency to rush ahead and get really excited about a pattern and um, quickly jump the information and get in there and just start doing it. Like, hands up, I do that almost every time because I get so excited about a pattern. Um, and Jo says with these you're best off just making sure that you read all of the information because it's full of lots of really good, potentially new to you techniques. Um, and she said once she'd worked that out then basically the, the shawl crocheting became much easier. Um, she said that the instructions from the broomstick lace, broomstick stitch sorry, um, were very clear but as long as you read it through for thoroughly first. Um, I asked her also whether she managed to get tension and gauge because a lot of people don't manage that. She said that she did but she had to really keep a loose tension on her work, especially with the broom stick stitch, to make sure that it stayed loose enough because you're working with a needle and a hook to create that effect. 
um, but because she was mindfully keeping it loose, it actually worked for her and she got um, she got gauge. She didn't need any technical support for the two shawls that she did, um, and nor did she use the yarn that was stated in the pattern. She came up with um, a, a different yarn that she was using from Molly Coddle Yarns, and um, she actually came up short but um, as it says in the pattern, that's not an issue because you can just decrease and increase as you see fit so long as you're within a specific stitch multiple. And we'll go into those details because of course it's a, it's a paid for um, book, so it's unfair to give more on it than that. But um, so coming up short in yarn really wasn't an issue. So if you were looking at doing um, one of those patterns, then that would be interesting because if you're just short, with using some stash yarn then you would know that actually you could still make it work for you. Um, she said that there were charts in two of the patterns which are really helpful. If your mind is led by diagrams, mine can be very much at times where if you put something in words I will gloss over it but if there's a diagram something um, that my brain can just quickly read, suck in the information and then go. So charts are really helpful for me. Um, so there are two in the book and she said it would have been helpful had there been charts for fog breaks so she would have known where to place it in the v-stitch and also for the broomstick stitch so although she managed it she had to do a bit of finagling on the mathematics behind it and measuring it out to make sure she was getting it right um, and had there been a chart she she would have found that easier um, but other than that, there's nothing that she would have found more helpful about the book. She's really enjoyed um, doing them. She thinks that they are a great value for money. And um, I will pop photos up of the two shawls that she's made because they're really beautiful. And uh, yeah, Jo is a very accomplished crocheter. She's speedy and she's very good at what she does. Her, her projects turn out beautifully. So um, if you're in the market for some new shawls, then yeah, recommend going to um, the next show project by Kat and Joanne. And the other thing that I have to mention that Jo uh, that Joe says, as always, the photography is absolutely beautiful. Um, the photography is generally done by Kat Golden, and it, it's just it's just gorgeous. She's got such a fabulous eye for the detail. And thanks to Jo for doing the review and being so understanding when I ballsed it up last time and then had to come at it again this time. So thank you. Let's scoot on to Old Dog New Tricks. I'm really loving this section by the way. And what I particularly love it is if other people come up with good suggestions of little tips that they know that maybe other people don't and that's exactly what has happened this time round. Um, there's a lovely lady called Claudia who is Crochet Luna on Instagram and she also has a new podcast which I will get to in Big Up and um, Claudia really loved the old dog new tricks that I had last time about using continental knitting as a way of um, speeding up my um, clever crochet which it has helped massively by the way I've been doing a lot of colour work stuff which you'll, you'll see in in the FO section um, and the continental knitting has just 
transformed my ability to do colour work crochet. It's, it's just incredible the speed at which I can now do that. So I reckon I'm probably 30% faster than I was previously, given the amount of work that I need to get through. <laughs> That's no bad thing. <laughs> So um, Claudio got in touch via YouTube and said, well, have you come across this technique? And I hadn't. And so I went straight to YouTube and looked it up and thought, oh, oh that's a bit special. And some of you will have heard of this, absolutely for sure, but others will not have done. And you know, when you come across something that you didn't know about and you think, but it's so simple, why didn't I know that? That's how, that's how I felt about the... Um, the chainless foundation row as well and what it is is it's a stitch which is called a standing double or a standing treble and of course in American you can also do standing double or a standing um, single if you're using US terminology and essentially what it means is when you're working either in the round or on a granny square instead of chaining up in a new colour to start in that new colour it's a way of um, almost recreating a treble or a double to start off that new colour and it looks far more accurate. It's more like having a treble or a double. It's ever so slightly different, but it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb, like I feel um, starting the, the round, fresh new round with a chain does. I always think that you can see it and quite often it leads to a bigger gap because it's thinner than a normal stitch would be and I really I really hate that it's um so I'm so chuffed that I've got a way around that now and I've been testing it out and it works it's, it's really fantastic so um what I'm going to do rather than me showing you I'm going to pinpoint you towards some videos that I found that were really helpful they're by a very well-known lady called Tamara Kelly and she has a website called moogly.com and it's, I think it's Moogly on YouTube and she shows you very efficiently how it is that you can do, she'll call it a standing DC because she's um, from the US, but it is essentially a standing treble and then I'll also provide the link for the standing SC, standing double for UK terminology and it will change the way that you look at adding colours in the round and also how you look to adding colours in a granny square. Totally change the way you view it and start to close those gaps up for you, which are, are very, always so very, very obvious. Now, what I would like to do is also do a little bit more investigation on that one. So it might be that this is the same old dog new tricks next time round and I, I just haven't had all the time to do it within this podcast but I would like to see if there was a way of um, using that technique even when you're not changing colours so when you're moving up to the next round is there a way that you can do essentially a standing treble or a standing double to start the new round so again it looks like the same stitch rather than a set of chains so I need to do a little bit more work on that but I will add into the show notes and I'll pop up onto the video is um, a couple of coasters I made, <laughs> as you do. We were in Amsterdam, as I've already talked about, and we were staying in a really beautiful apartment. It was actually an Airbnb, and really like gorgeous apartment, but he didn't have any coasters, and I don't want to keep on putting teacups and um, wine glasses down on his table. So I thought, well, I know, we've had such a fabulous time here, 
and I have to go to see them Penelope's uh, and therefore I will just make them up a couple of um, coasters and at the same time what I'll do then is take some photos I'll use the standing um, treble and I'll take some photos for the podcast and then I can show you um, how the two things look differently so I did one with the standing treble and one with the standard chains and I'll you'll be able to see the difference between the two and I'll, I'll put arrows to them as well so you can see exactly what the differences are but yeah I, I'm, I'm really impressed with that little uh, technique so I'll come back with more on that next time round but in the meantime go and have a look at it because it will completely change the way that you view adding new colours into a round and into a, a granny square it's much much neater and visibly much neater straight away as well and if any of the rest of you got any tips or tricks that you think most people don't know about, uh, let me know. I'd love to hear them and then I can do some work on them and then hopefully that's another section for old dog new tricks in the future. Just like this idea of um, learning something new every month and being able to bring it to the podcast. So thank you, Claudia, for making me aware of that one. It's totally changed the way that I deal with that technique. I wouldn't... I wouldn't choose to ever go back to just chaining two or chaining three um, to to create the next round or the next row of a granny square. Thank you. That moves on rather nicely to finished objects. And one of the things that I finished were those two coasters for Jan um, and to leave in his flat as a little thank you. Now, what I used for that was a new to me yarn which is by BC Garn and it is a 50% linen 50% cotton mix and it's called Alino Cottolin. Um, really lovely to work with. It's soft because of the cotton and I suspect it would wash really quite nicely and soften up more although I didn't have time to do that uh, for the ones that I left for yarn. Now I bought three colours because I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do so I got a, a kind of a beige top and a mustardy green colour that had to be mustard in there and they complemented each other really nicely and I thought they were a good way of me just giving him a little something to say thank you in something that wasn't too expensive uh, a yarn so I bought this in Stephen and Penelope's shop in Amsterdam and of course I've got loads left, but um, I, will, I will find something to make with these. I just thought the colour combination was really nice. And I'll, I'll pop a photo into the show notes of those. Um, but if you're looking for something that isn't just cotton and isn't just linen, then it may be worth tracking down and trying the Alino. It's lovely and soft and it comes in a beautiful set of muted colours as well. So that was a, my first finished object. And then um, the other one that I did, which is actually a stash bingo element. Now, you may remember me talking last time about the fact that I sent off um, a parcel to my fibre share partner. And one of the things that she really said that she struggled to get in Australia um, was hedgehog fibres. And I had a skein of hedgehog fibres, which was in my stash bingo. And so I gave that to her. And then what I did was replaced it with another uh, skein of hedgehog fibres and pop that into stash bingo instead and then that's what I have been working from. Now I can't 
I have a photo of it, so I'll put a photo into the show notes. But for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I can't show you the finished object <coughs> because it's been tested by my friend Martine. She goes cycling a lot. And what I have remade was, some of you may remember the Colm uh, camel, which is a colour crocheted camel. I've done exactly the same stitch count, but done it as a knitted pattern with ribbing at the top and at the bottom. And when Martine saw it at Wool Gathering last week, she was like, oh, I like that. Is it warm? I was like, well, I'll tell you what, you test it and you can come and tell me. So um, Martine gave me a bit of feedback and said, oh, it's lovely and warm. <laughs> so um, that was a mixture of the hedgehog fibres, um, which is a DK, but I actually think it's quite a light DK. And also the Debbie Bliss uh, Rialto DK. Um, and it is, it's really lovely and soft and warm as a cow, it's quite a tight one. So, you know, when you don't want wind whipping down your neck, it's it's a lovely one to wear. So that that's another of my FOs, but I just, I wanted to um, show you this. And again, I'll put photos in the podcast because part of my acquisitions in Stephen and Penelope it was a really gorgeous dark dark teal green um, colour and it's Malabrigo it's their Rios um, which is I think it's a DK weight maybe just over and it's colourway 412 teal feather and it's really teal it's beautiful and it goes very nicely with my hedgehog fibres um, which is called dragonfly and if you can imagine all of the colours when you see dragonflies going past and they have that iridescent quality to them and you get pinks and blues and teals and purples that's exactly what this dragonfly colourway from Hedgehog Fibres is it's really beautiful and the idea is that that mixed with the Malabrigo Rios and the column pattern will really pull the the variegated dragonfly out as the stained glass and then the rios would be because it's a much subtler it's it's a semi-solid i would say um would act as your leading and your window frames um so i need to remake column because i recognize that not everybody wants bright blue and bright yellow as their pattern idea and I think when knowing what I've done with the knitted version, um, people will love to see the hedgehog fibres and the Malabrigo version of the column cowl. So I may have that as a, a finished object for next time. But in the meantime, I'll give you the photo of the one that Martine has stolen from me. <laughs> she hasn't stolen it. She'll give it back to me. Maybe not, actually. <laughs> Martine, can I please have it back at some point? And then the other finished object that I have, which I had to finish off this month round, is a pair of socks. And these are made out from one of the skeins that I was given um, by Rachel, who was my fibre share partner, who sent me the lovely, um, lo just such a lovely package. And I talked about it last time and I said, oh, it's blue and vice, I'm sure that means white. And it doesn't, it means um, that field of flowers or something. <laughs> which you know, it's well explained because it's got cream and really bright orange and pink and green in it and the striping is fabulous in these socks. But actually the um, company was called Wondervula 
So these were my Wonderwool socks and actually what I managed to do was knit one of them up and then I was using it as one of my sample socks on my stand at Wonderwool to show some of the stitch markers that I had for sale. So it truly was a Wonderwool sock because it was it was used as part of the stand and it was admired by people and every now and then when I had a spare moment, I think the first time I I had a spare moment to do any crafting on the stand it was about three o'clock on the Sunday and the show shut at half four and I think I managed to get about five rows in at the, the just below the cuff of my silk. So I rushed through this last night to be able to give me another finished object and to say thanks again to Rachel for sending me such a wonderful parcel. It really was full of beautiful yarns and really beautiful presents so um, I wanted to do her justice by having a finished object to show in this podcast. And now that I've shown them, they will be on my feet tomorrow. <laughs> They're very warm and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having them on my tootsies. Quick slurp of tea. So one of the other things that I talked about last time round was the fact that the lovely Chrissy at Chrissy Crafts was doing a stitch along for her herb embroidery. And I used to do quite a lot of embroidery and a lot of cross stitch when I was younger. Um, and I hadn't really picked up an awful lot of embroidery of late. And I was really enthused and encouraged by the herb embroidery that Chrissy um, had on show. And so I thought, well, I know. I don't. I didn't want it for something to hang in my house. So what I figured is instead I would use one of the plain calico bags that I had for, for um, the company that I was selling. And um, I thought, well, I'll just stitch onto a bag and then I've got a really unusual um, bespoke project bag. And so that's what I did. I am so, so pleased with it. So I kind of supersized what Chrissy had put on the PDF redrew it to the dimensions I needed for the project bag. This also suited me because I'm I'm not a fan of doing embroidery with a hoop, which can have its own issues. Embroidery like crochet, you can have issues with tension. And where I was doing the little French knots, I pulled on it a little too tightly a few times, but I, I backed off on that so it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, I really love this little project bag. It's beautiful and then it did have a plain calico strap and I found some um, colour coordinating pink ribbon and I added that as the strap instead and if you've never done embroidery before Chrissy has done such a fantastic job of putting up tutorials on YouTube on how you do each stitch so if you've never done it before it's such a simple process don't be discouraged by it, give it a go and go and look at Chris's tutorials because they really are fantastic. Um, and I love this little project bag. Again, I had this hanging up at Wonderwall Wheels as well and I could, I could have sold it 50 times over. I was showing it as a means of, here are some lovely linen bags I've had made, this is what you could put on them. But people just wanted to buy this one instead. And when I said, well, I could sell it to you but I would have to charge you for my time and therefore it would be about £50. No! <laughs> Unsurprisingly they did not want to pay £50 for my embroidered bag and then come Sunday lunchtime I actually just put it away because 
although it was beautiful and being admired, it was more hassle to keep on telling people, no, I'm sorry, you can't, you cannot buy my bag. So, Chrissy, if you've got a means of uh, pulling a kit together um, and having the information printed onto a bag, I rather think that would be very popular alongside your tutorials um, because there was a lot of interest in this um, at Wonderwall. Well, and also a lot of interest in people who just wanted to have, have this one because they couldn't be bothered. <laughs> so yeah, another finished object. And now that I've shown that, that will become one of my project bags. It's perfect size for a pair of socks. So that is what it will become. And then my final one, and I've kind of kept the best one, well, I think the best one till last, is if you follow the podcast on Instagram, you would have seen that I posted this up at the weekend when I was in Amsterdam and it's a bag that I've been working on. So initially this was just going to be one pattern um, and I would just put it out there and see what happened with it. And unfortunately, well not unfortunately, it's good news, but um, because I've done the process of creating one bag, I've then had a series of other designs that have come into my mind. So now what I'm going to do, I think, is pull together um, a series of patterns but also sell them individually because not everybody likes everything that you produce so the bags will be available individually or you can buy them more cheaply as a block of patterns if that's what you prefer and you may or may not be aware of a bag system which is called O-Bag it's by a company called Full Stop and what they do, it's a very, very clever system. So if you haven't looked into it, I fully recommend that you do. They make uh, rubberized bags. They're made in Italy and they've got holes in them. And they also make liners that fit every single one of their bags. So that was me doing the zip of the liner. And then what they have is a screw-in system for the handles, which means that you can pop any handle of their making through the bag and the liner and you can change your bag up so you could put a different coloured liner inside you could pop different handles on and it's really easy to do you just screw it on zip up your liner and away you go so i've got a couple of these bags of the old bags in different sizes and different colours i have a, a bright green rubber one and i have a kind of um, what i would call sludgy coloured rubber one as well and then i got to thinking well not everybody likes sewing linings into their bags so how do i deal with that because i want to start making a bigger bag but i want to have ready to go lining and then i was using my old bag and i thought oh bag i know what i can do and also one of the things i struggle with in the uk and this may be different in different countries it's really hard to get nice handles and nice buckles that um suit the bags that you've made and o bag have got so many handles down to like patent ones rope ones leather ones most of them are full leather so if you're vegan actually the those handles are a great option for you they've got felted ones they've just got everything they're really quite funky and stylish and so then i thought well I can make a bag to the dimensions of an old bag so that it fits the liner inside of it and I can probably work out a way of making essentially buttonholes crocheted in the round 
which means that it would snugly fit the handles. And so that is exactly what I did. So the example that I'll put photos up will show you two sets of handles. So there will be a photo with the brown faux leather handle on it, which I really love, and I've just simply nabbed off of one of my other bags. And on the flip side, it has got a mustard, of course, um, a mustard coloured felted handle, which is really cool. And then there's also a mustard coloured um, felted liner that I have bought for another, another bag. But the felted ones come in um, teal, pink, black, all sorts of different colours, grey. So no matter what your favourite colours are, whatever yarn you're using for this pattern, you could potentially buy from Full Stop, who sell worldwide and have shops as well. Um, you could buy handles that you um, really want. So for example, there's, um, if you live in Rome, there's a Full Stop shop in the train station. If you live down by um, Cannes, there's a full stop shop down on the south of France. They are all over the place. They're just the two that I happen, happen to have visited. Um, but I'm a massive fan of these bags and the interchangeable system. And so I'm now going to design this series of bags on the basis that you could put full stop handles into all of them and essentially create your own styled crocheted o bag. I'm really excited about this project and I got such lovely feedback when I popped it up onto Instagram and it's using colour work, crochet um, and the yarn that I'm using. <laughs> it's so easy to know what I would use but it's John Arden's Devonia and it's really good to work with, really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm loving using this yarn. I'm now onto my second bag and my second batch of this yarn as well. Um, the two colours that I've used in the bag that I'll pop a photo of are Ocean Rain and Amber Blaze. And I also used this bag all the way around Amsterdam. So for two and a half, more like three days, this bag was chucked about. It was on my shoulder, so it was rubbing. There was friction where I had it. And um, if this was in many other yarns, it would show massive signs of wear and tear already. But actually, all there is is a little bit, a tiny little bit of bobbling in one patch, which is clearly where I was really um, winning up close to my body. So that was one of the reasons I rushed through getting this design done, was because I wanted to really test the yarn and make sure that it was going to be durable enough for um, what, what I wanted out of the bag. Because if I used alpaca merino, really soft yarns they would bobble and it just would not work for something that needs to be as hard wearing as a bag but Devonia does the trick it really works so yeah you do things sometimes that you are really really proud of and uh, this is one of them now this won't be to everyone's tastes but what i'm also working on which you'll see in whips is a very plain version and I won't go into detail now because I need to finalise them, but I've got at least another four ideas. I had another one that came to me this morning um, where it hopefully there would be something for everyone and not all of them will involve colour work. Some of them will be rose suit so striping rather than colour work. Um, yeah, 
kind of watched this space on that one. Hugely excited about this project. Did not think last week that I would be working on a series of bike designs and kaboom, there you are. That's the stuff that's coming through my brain next. So that's what you're all getting, folks. I hope you want to crochet bags because that's the next load of designs I'm going to be working on. Um, and if you've got any suggestions, then let me know. I will be working on different handle systems as well. So looking at what else you can generally get your hands on within the UK and with every um, bag design, I will try and work out a, an alternative way of having a strap or a handle other than those that you might just sew straight on because then you would just omit the parts of those I've worked out where you get essentially the bottom, the bottom hole in. So yeah, watch the space. I'm, I'm quietly happy. Well, maybe not so quiet because I'm broadcasting this on a podcast. Egypt, but I am. I'm really pleased with the bag and where I can see the other bags coming from. And they're all going to be designed using John Arben's Devonia because now that I, it works. I know all of the other colours work for all of the other patterns that I have in mind. So, woo, so excited about it. Yeah, I'm not usually this excited about a project and I really am about this. So that's all, all of my, oh, it's not. What a total fabrication. I'm really good at lying to you lot. I say it all the time. That's it. And it's never it. There's always something more. I've got one final finished object and that is my Ocaso shawl which I was doing as part of the Tunisian cal. Really pleased with it, really love the final effect. It sits just enough around my neck, you know sometimes shawls are just a bit too short, this one is just on it, which is not a fault of the pattern, it's me. I should have done more border rounds here but I didn't want to break in massively to my second skein of Life in the Long Grass. So I think I only did about half the number of um, row repeats required for this bottom border. I will be putting up my normal set of notes in the, in the project page for Ravelry. I just haven't done it yet. So if you're thinking about doing Ocaso, I will put up some hints and tips on there and also the row counts, which I found really helpful. My silly cat has clearly just woken up and has thought, I know, I know where she is. <laughs> I'm going to come and annoy her. So I'll try and settle him in and if he doesn't I'll boot him out and then we'll move on to whips. So I only have one whip to show you which is quite unusual but I'm trying to get to a point where I'm more monogamous with my projects and try to keep one crochet and one knitting on the go and I just finished off a pair of knitted socks last night, the ones that I've just showed you or just talked about. And um, then, it, as you know, I've got the three, but I'm keeping them back now for the festival of finishing. So the TARDIS cushion, the Unkia shawl, and also my Shoreline's blanket. So uh, there's no point in talking about those. But my one whip I, I wanted to show you, this really should be in acquisitions, but Rachel, who is Rachel K. Um, gifts, had these amazing bags that she'd put up on Instagram and what she's done is appliqued little sheep onto them with lovely floral fabrics and um, bobbin threads at the top and they're really beautifully lined bags 
and I couldn't say no. And as it happened, Rachel lives down in Worthing, which is just along from where Jenny lives. And as it happened, I was heading down to see Jenny that weekend to go and help her get her house ready for sale. This is about three weeks ago now, I think. Four, maybe, yeah, three weeks ago. And so I'd asked Rachel if she had any spare and hadn't sold them all, could she take them to the place that she works sometimes on a Saturday and then we would come along and see her and um, I would be able to pick one of the bags. And so I picked one and Jenny picked one and we both have a little sheepy appliqued bag. I'll add details of where it was that we went to see Rachel. She works in a space called Margo, which is on the, um, on the shorefront in Worthing. And the whole concept is that it's little, almost like seaside front, not quite huts because they're more durable than that, but seaside front shop frontages and they're little and you have to be a local maker to be able to get one of those spaces. And the place that Rachel is in and the people that she shared it with, they make such beautiful things. Um, crocheted, some knitted, you've got all the stuff that Rachel makes. So if you're ever down that way on the south coast, I would say pop in and see Margot because, well, not, not just Margot, the shop, but all of the shops along there, the people doing beadwork, there's all sorts going on. It's a really nice community and you know that it's local people that are crafting locally that you're buying from. So I'll, I'll provide links, but it's really nice. So inside the bag, you'll have to excuse the bell because my stitch marker is a little bell. <laughs> oh, that's maybe not a good thing when I have a cat on my lap. <laughs> There's a lot of interest in that. But what I'm working on is the second bag and um, this is a double-stranded bag and again it's John Arben's Devonia that I'm using and it's in a shade called Nightshade and it's a beautiful dark, dark purple colour but it's heathered so it's got almost glints of pink and blue in there and um, it's quite a subtle heathering but as I was crocheting with it yesterday in the sunlight and I thought oh now you look blue no now you look purple no now you look pink it's got again almost like an iridescence about it it's a really beautiful colour and this um this bag is just really really plain because not everybody wants details and sometimes people just want a very simple um project to work on and so it will just be straight up there will be no increases onto the sides and this will have the mustard felt handles on it so it's going to be that gorgeous heather dark purple with mustard felt handles and i will probably have that finished i would have thought by the end of this week um i don't have wool gathering this week and i do have my pottery class tomorrow so yeah i would have thought maybe by the end of the weekend i will have um, this bag done. It's also something that I can quickly whiz through whilst I'm editing the podcast. So um, I need a kind of mindless project that I can quickly get through and that will be the bag because it generally takes me about a day to a day and a half to edit the podcast, take all the photos, do all of that stuff. So this will be my, um, this will be my podcast project. And then the other thing that I wanted to show you, which is not a whip, but it's a future whip because as soon as I finish the bag, I will be starting on this project. And it is in a B bag, which can only mean one thing. It means that I have picked my colours for my Hotel of Bees project. Now, if you don't know about the Hotel of Bees 
crochet along that's going on at the moment. I don't know how you've managed to miss it because it is everywhere. It's been run by Sandra at the Cherry Heart podcast and blog and also by Sam at the Betsy Makes podcast um, and it's a hugely popular crochet along. It runs for a little while longer. I will add the details into the show notes and it's a beautiful shawl that is based on bees and honeycomb. Really lovely. However, me being me, I um I like the shawl but I don't like some of the big open lace work that there is for the shawl and so instead what I'm going to do is use the pattern, I've bought it, so I'm going to use the basis of the pattern to make a hotel of bees big long cowl instead and use the pattern repeats just as a cowl. So that's what I will be working on and I'm going to be doing that with Anna Crochet Ninja and Jojo Twinkle Toes, although she's already rammed off a hotel of bees of course, but she's going to work on a second one and also um, Helen Hellsbells is going to um, do one as well, but she, like me, she wants to do a cowl rather than the shawl, so we're going to compare notes again, she's bought the pattern and we're going to compare notes on how we would both come at it, so it's quite interesting because we've got a cowl inside a cowl inside a cowl, I think, <laughs> but the colours I have chosen are I think quite different from the ones that everybody else has. Lots of people have gone down the kind of muted um, cream and mint colours and I have gone for a very, very dark petrol blue. Um, unsurprisingly, a very bee-like mustard and a cream colour as well. And the reason that I've chosen these is because two of them are... Well, they're all from my stash, but two of them are precious stash, like very precious stash. And it is Outlaw yarn that I bought when I was over in New Zealand um, 18 months ago. And they've been sat in my stash waiting, waiting, waiting. And I only have one ball of each. It's 100 grams. And it is 45% Polworth, 45% Alpaca and 10% Possum. And this is just the softest yarn ever. And you know me, I'm not I'm not that fussed about soft, but this is just incredible. And I've paired that up because the weight was really quite similar and the softness was quite similar with um, Blacker Swan, their Falkland Islands wool, which is, I believe, 100%. It says 100% pure new wool, but I have to say I thought that it was specifically merino. It's, it feels very similar to my Outlaw um, New Zealand yarn. And I think the three go really well together and the cream is the one that I will be using most sparingly. So the real kind of punch out colours are the dark teal and the mustard. And then the cream, the blacker cream is just to um, give a lift elsewhere throughout the cowl. So I'll pop, I'll pop pictures up on that and I will add some into Ravelry because not everybody does Instagram and not everybody on Instagram does Ravelry so I try to cover them both and I'll also put photos into the show notes but I rather suspect that come next month that will be in my finished objects pile which is why I wanted to mention my future whip now because you might be looking to do another cal and hotel fees might be right up your street so 
if it is there's a hashtag running and i think they're talking about it in their ravelry threads as well and i think they've got finished object threads already open for that so hotel of bees uh dash per style is is coming soon that is it for whips more fo's and whips which is the way it should be so in this episode's feeding the habit I've been a very fortunate person and this is why I called the episode Common Thread because through doing this podcast and being within the crafting community I've come across so many more lovely people and I just, it is such a lovely community and people always say that and say everybody's lovely and I don't think that's true, not everybody is lovely. I had a near fracor with somebody at Wonderful Wheels over a parking situation where I think people sometimes just get things a little out of perspective. But I've never been in a place where the vast majority of people are so kind and so caring and just so lovely. And that's reflected in the fact that I've had a couple of, well, I've had three parcels turn up at my house from people who just wanted to send me like nice things and little bits of their life and they wanted to share that and I just I, I love that it's so it's so nice a thing to have turn up at your house and to know that somebody's pulled together a parcel that's specific for you and that they've thought about you as a person and as a crafter and that they've wanted to send you things so I'm going to go through that within um, Feeding the Habit and also some of the yarns that I picked up at Wonderful Wheels and at Stephen and Penelope, all four designs. So the first thing that I wanted to show you um, is by, she's just the loveliest of people, and I'm going to try desperately to pronounce your name properly. I've even been on YouTube and looked at the pronunciation because the last time I spoke about you on the podcast, I definitely got it wrong. And I think it is. Yeah, I am. Is that right? Please tell me if we're right. Yael um, comes from Sweden. She lives in an area of Sweden that I know reasonably well that I used to travel to uh, for work and we both have a love of Gotland yarn and um, yeah, Yael makes beautiful um, beaded items. She uses organic cotton and lovely wooden balls and, and um, leather straps and when I got this through the post I was just, I was over the moon with it and I've worn it a lot and she's done it knowing my love of mustard and navy she did me a navy and a mustard version and it arrived in the post I think a week before I went down to see Jenny and Jenny has um, an 18 month year old boy and when I was carrying him around he was totally drawn to the beads and and they're very tactile and he, like he wasn't sucking on them because he wasn't going through teething but I can imagine that a teething child would really love them but he was fascinated by the fact that they move and the, the different textures on them, he loved them. I think he'd have been quite happy if I left them with Jenny but I'm going to order one of these for, um, for Jenny in, in her colours, she loves bright pinks and purples. Um, so not only did she send me a really beautiful necklace which has you know, crocheted yarn around it, what more could you want? Um, she also sent me some little nuggets of wool. So I have a really gorgeous mustard colour, a grey and um, quite a nice, 
not quite unless I love brown, but um, <laughs> if I say this, not a poo brown. <laughs> it's it's like a dark oatmeal-y marled brown, not poo brown <laughs> yarn. <laughs> it's a nice brown. It's not a poo brown. <laughs> and the other two colours that she sent me, and I really love this aspect. Um, Jael was working on our first crochet along. She didn't quite manage to finish her team cardigan, but she was really busting out. I got to try and get it done at the end. And so what she sent me are the two colours of um, bits of yarn that she had left over from her team cardigan. So I love that I've got some yarn that came from a Crochet Circle podcast um, crochet along and I will work them into something. So what, what I think I'm going to do is use um, some of the colours that Yael gave me and mix it in with the Scottish thistle yarn I got from Catherine at the Crofter and Treats podcast because I think they go very, very nicely together. And what I will probably do is make it's totally the wrong season, but it's what's come to my mind when I've seen these colours together and therefore that's it makes me think that that's what I want to work on. But I'm going to make um, quite a nice thick headband and I've got the idea kind of moving through my mind at the moment for the, the pattern that I would like and what I will do is pop that out as a free pattern to anybody that would want to make the headband so crochet circle people you would all have access to that that pattern and it's a way of me then somebody who's been thoughtful enough to send me a, a parcel of lovely things and it's a way of me then paying that forward to lots of other people so again that might be next podcast depending on timing um, but yeah, that, that will become a headband and I'm going to find something special to do with the mustard because it's such a gorgeous mustard as well. Um, and she also sent me some, um, some little brocade ribbons that are actually made in Sweden. Now I wrongly assume that every time I see these little brocade ribbons that actually they've been made in India or Pakistan these are actually Swedish ones so I've got others in my stash which I'm, I'm fairly certain are Indian so these ones are going to go into special stash because they're from closer to home and they came from Yal. So really lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, she'd asked for my address and I was like oh yeah I'll send it to you and then you know that you've got something coming but I was honestly blown away when um, when I opened the package, it was just lovely. And then when I was doing all the preparation for Wonderwall Wales and I was right in the thick of it and I can't tell you, I've been, I was doing um, like 16 hour days, day in, day out to get ready because I want things to be at a certain standard and I was absolutely shattered and then I got this parcel through the post which I did not expect whatsoever but, but Tanya already had my address and Tanya sent me through some more of her gorgeous dorset button stitch markers so now that I've shown these on the podcast I am going to start using them <laughs> and you may remember last time round I bought one of her dorset button bags when I was at Edinburgh Yarn Festival where she sent me she sent me the the little one which is like a notions pouch um as that a, a little extra and i love these bags they're so well made 
Um, and I love the fact that it's Tanya's dorset buttons are on them and that she's had the the fabric printed and they're just they are completely um like she's got a track on every part of their manufacturing and I love that. It's everything that I do within my company like, as much as I can. So I was I was a little bit emotional when this turned off. I don't it sounds weird, I don't really do emotion. I don't I don't mean that but I'm not one of these people that um, I don't cry a lot. I have thoughts, but I tend to rationalise my thoughts. And by the time this arrived, I was like, oh, I'm so tired and people are just being so nice to me. <laughs> I wasn't crying, but I was like, oh, it's just, it was just what I needed. It was a proper um, pick me up and I was absolutely shattered. So thank you, Tanya. Um, very much appreciated and I've got a scabby notions pouch um, that I keep my um, other hooks in I use my paraphernalia one um, for larger hooks but the ones that I use for my smaller stuff isn't very nice so this is going to be swapped out and I will have a very nice plush notions pouch instead so they were the bits and pieces that I had sent and then when we came back from Amsterdam, I had another parcel, which I won't show you because actually what I want to do is work with the wool and then show you how it works up and I'll do a proper yarn review. But I finally got to meet Debs, who has got an online shop called Find Me Knitting. You've probably seen her marketing on, um, on Ravelry. It's really beautiful, really nice. And she's got some gorgeous yarns. Um, she hasn't been open for that long and she's trying to get a bricks and mortar store up and running as well over where she lives in um, North Wales in Bettisicoid. I always say that wrongly so apologies if I've said that wrong. Matthew always tells me off and tells me I'm saying it wrongly. So I think it's Bettisicoid and I always say Bettisicoid and he says it's Bettisicoid. Having grown up in Wales for many a year he knows better than I do. Um, so she sent me um, nuggets of all of the different colours that she's got in her two dominant wools which are Mary and Ada and I will do a full and proper review on them because the colours are incredible. One of them is similar to the mustard that Yael sent me. It's really bright and vibrant and yeah I took some photos and put them up on Ravelry and the thing with mustard is once you see it in the picture, everything else just disappears because all you see is mustard. It's such a gorgeous, dominant colour. And I know lots of people don't like it, but when you see it, that's the only colour that you will see. Or at least that's what I'm telling myself because I want to bring you all to the to the way of the mustard. So. <laughs> then, of course, I went to Wonderful Wales. And as you all know, I'm only buying yarn um, at the moment that I'm going to use in designs. And I'm pretty good, I have to say, most of the stuff that I've got, um, even since Edinburgh Yarn Festival, which was the first time I think really that I was buying yarn, um, I've done the designs with. I still have to finalise the design for Tanya's um, wool, but that's kind of tracking through my mind at the moment. That's I'm not quite ready to commit that one to paper. Uh, and then once I've done that, I've actually worked with all of the yarns that I got at Edinburgh Yarn Festival at um, Wonderful Wales, I think it was the night before I went, I came up with a new big kind of shawl, more of a pashmina design that I wanted to do using John Arden's Knit by Numbers. 
Now, I've talked at length about Knit by Numbers before because I think it's such a wonderful range. I think the pricing point of it is fantastic. It's £12 for 100 grams and they do it in a series of colours. So what they, um, what John does is start with um, the darkest of the colours, then he adds in a percentage of white and then the next percentage of white and the next and the next and the next. And what you end up with is a really beautiful gradient effect going from dark through to a much lighter, but they all work with each other because they've come from the same primary base colour. So I have this idea for this lovely big squishy pashmina using four different shades of blue. And so I got the yarn um, for that. I actually got um, yarn support from John and Juliet to be able to do that pashmina. Um, so hopefully they'll <laughs> hopefully they'll like the pattern that I've done for them, and they also give me yarn support for the Devonia nightshade that I'm doing the second bag in. So that was my John Orban haul at Wonderwall, and then um, the person that was in the stall to the right of me was a lovely, lovely lady from Bristol called Laura. And she was just upbeat, positive. She'd only learned the week before that she was getting into Wonderwall. I think they'd had somebody drop out and she was next on the list. And um, she's a teaching assistant. Luckily, she'd been on uh, half term, so Easter holidays. And so she'd been able to like dye and dye and dye and dye and dye yarn and um, sew her bags up and get it all ready, ready for Wonderwall. I think it's bad enough that I was working at it for kind of two to three weeks, 16 hour days. Poor Laura literally had a week to pull everything together. And then after the Saturday at Wonderwall, she'd sold so many bags that she'd taken her sewing machine with her to her hotel room and was making more bags ready for the Sunday. That's, you know, that's how much she had to do. And her yarns were gorgeous. Her company is called Billy Cow Yarns and she has an Etsy shop. She also does a sock club and various other bits and pieces. And the one that I bought from her is, I'm fairly sure it's an 80-20 um, mix. And it's got gorgeous jade green colours in it into bright, almost like um, like purples and pinks and dusky blues. But it's almost like she's managed to put a speckle on each of the colours. It's like it's somewhere between a speckle and a semi-tonal, it's really beautiful. Now, I don't have a design in mind for this at the moment, but I didn't mind buying it because at Wonderwall, my best friend in the whole wide world, Jenny, came and helped me for the weekend. She'd come back from holiday on the Thursday and come Friday morning, she was piling her kids off onto her mum and dad, packing the car and driving from the south coast all the way up to mid Wales to come and help me do the show and she was just smiley and happy and bubbly and worked and worked and worked and she would not let me buy her anything she barely let me buy her a coffee and her lunch and so when she'd gone round to see Laura's yarns I knew she would love this um, this scheme because it's every colour that Jenny just adores and I said which one would you pick and she picked this one and then when she'd gone away I bought it and the deal that I've struck with her because she would not let me pay her or buy anything is that instead what I will do is design a cowl for her using this yarn 
um, because then it's something that's specific to Jenny and I can make it the length that she wants and the depth that she wants and with the pattern that, that she wants and she loved that idea and thought that was far far nicer than me going to another stand and just buying her something so my gorgeous skein well not my gorgeous Jenny's gorgeous skein of Billicay yarns will become something probably in the next couple of months but I need to be able to sit with Jenny and work out and um, what it is that she's looking for from a cow and then I will design something up for her which I agree to me that's that's a, that's a nice way of me being able to say thank you to her because then she's getting my design and my input and, and her input as well and then we'll come up with something wonderful that hopefully likes well hopefully it will be wonderful and hopefully she'll like it so yeah that was my other purchase and then like if you go to Amsterdam it truly would be rude to not go to Stephen and Penelope's yarn shop which is up in I think the old town area um, I did try to go to another couple of yarn shops as well one that I thought was a yarn shop and it turned out to just be an area where they hold workshops and then another work another yarn shop that apparently features lots of natural yarns but that was way 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 out at the train station in a market area I was shattered and I just I wanted to meet back up with Matthew and my dad and then I wanted to go home so I only did um, Stephen and Penelope's shop but I was there for quite a long time and bought some things for designs. The first one that I want to talk about is, it was a completely new to me brand and I just, I think this yarn is so interesting. It's by a company called Onion. They're based in Denmark and their website is www.onion.dk and I've never come across this before. I understand the principle of it, it would work brilliantly. Um, but it's 70% wool and 30% nettle fibres and they have called this specifically a sock yarn. So I love the idea that there's something that's made of natural fibres rather than using nylon polyamide as your strengthening factor they have used nettle instead. And what's really interesting about it, and I'll take photos and add these to the show notes, but the nettle fibres are quite grey, so it doesn't matter what shade of the nettle sock yarn you've got, you get this, um, it's almost like parts of it that don't die, uh, or don't die as well, and so you get this really nice um, shading throughout the yarn. So I bought, a two skeins, well two balls of the dark grey and one ball of quite an acidic yellow and I have an idea for a curl design that I dreamt up whilst I was in the shop actually um, I wasn't going to buy this and then the curl design kept on coming back to me and I thought well maybe you should get it because there are no stockists for onion in the UK, there are a lot of them abroad so I didn't think it would be that easy to get hold of um, and I thought the pricing point was really quite good as well it was only €6.50 for the 50 grams and 50 grams is 185 metres so this will become a cow I'll let you know how we get on with that I'm kind of almost intrigued to I, I wish I'd bought more but I have to limit myself because the other thing I would have bought it for was to actually make socks for, from it and to test it out but then that would have gone against my no personal yarn for 2017 so I didn't do that.
but this will be one for me to check out in the future. Have any of you used it? I'd really love to know how it does work as a sock yarn using natural fibres of nettle rather than nylon or polyamide. Um, because if it works, and it works really well, then this is a really good option for me. I'd rather be using something that's natural um, as opposed to something that is man-made. So yeah, I'll let you know how I get on with that one. And if you've got any previous using that yarn, please do let me know. Um, they've got some beautiful colours in it as well. I'll provide a link in with the show notes. And then if you follow Stephen and Penelope online, you will know that they've started stocking a new local dyer from Amsterdam. And they're called Undercover Otter. And I was just being a marketing sucker, basically. Again, I've got a shawl design in mind for these two. And it is an 80% merino, 20% nylon and I got a little bit like, attracted to the fact that they were bespoke colourways for Stephen and Penelope and there are two of them and there's a dark teal one there's always a theme dark teal is a thing for me and that's called Blackheath Woods and there is also a, I would say mint, very light minty green colour and that is called Sweet Alice and they are both bespoke colourways and they go rather nicely together with this dark teal and a much lighter mint green. Now these are not colours that I would normally go to at all but um, I took the advice of the two girls that were behind the counter and they were really good and really helpful and there was a point where the shop completely cleared out and I was able to take loads of video footage of the whole of the shop without other people interrupting or getting in my way. So with the video that I'll pull together, you will see the whole of Stephen and Penelope's shop, um, including all of the other colours available with Undercover Otter. So yeah, another design that needs to happen, um, but it's quite hard to come by and whilst I don't have to pay postage and packaging prices and I can work with a new up and coming yarn dyer, it seemed like a sensible thing to do. Um, albeit they were 25 euros each so hmm, given our rubbish exchange rate at the moment they were quite expensive but I wouldn't get the chance to get those again I don't think you can get the bespoke colourways online I might be wrong about that but it, like I say with that postage and packaging it seems like a sensible way of doing it so I have quite quite a haul and not just yarn lots of lovely things from lovely lovely people as well and yeah um i feel really like just happy and i love the idea that this common thread of crafting is bringing people together and it has such a positive effect on the way that people feel like when these parcels arrived i was like my heart was skipping a beat I just was so happy that they'd been sent to me and that people had taken the time out to send me something it was really lovely um, so thank you um, Tanya and Debs and Yael it was yeah it was very well um, received and muchly appreciated muchly appreciated something greatly appreciated not muchly appreciated it was greatly appreciated thank you we're moving on to Big Up and I have got a couple of podcasts for you. 
and a yarn to take a look at. So the first podcast is a, it's a new crochet one. Yippee! Um, it's by Claudia, who I mentioned earlier. She was the one that put me on to the standing treble, standing double crochet technique. And uh, Claudia started podcasting about a month ago now, and she's got three episodes out. Maybe just had a fourth one come out. And she's just so lovely. Um, she's very natural and has got a real zeal for crochet and a love for it. And she lives in California and it's a YouTube, so it's a, a viewing podcast. And uh, it's, just, it's just really nice. Um, and she's just, she's like one of life's lovely people. And so I'd encourage you to go and check her out. I will pop links into the show notes so you can get them there. Um, that's Crochet Luna and it's a crochet podcast. And the other one that I've come across came via an Instagram um, feed that was from uh, Corrine who is Salips and she'd um, put me onto another podcast which is called Fibre Friends. <laughs> now I really love um, podcasts as a means of me having people in and around the house so I'm not on my own so I watch quite a lot of them and I listen to quite a few as well um, and I really like that thing of just having a voice and having somebody um, talking in the background and being able to look up and see what they're up to as well and Five of Friends is three ladies who are all daft as brushes <laughs> they really make me laugh um, so it's predominantly knitting but um, it's a really interesting one because they all do quite specific things within the fibre sector. So Adrian is a professor by day but she also dyes yarn um, as well and I'm not sure how much of it she sells because she seems to just give it to Louise and Caroline all the time um, but she's got an Etsy shop so I'll provide links for that. Louise um, teaches knitting and also design so I think she does quite a few workshops um, and also uh, Caroline, I'm not, now Caroline, I'm not sure what, you, what she does during the day, I think she does bookkeeping stuff and has like multiple things that she has to do um, but she also makes bags with her sister-in-law project bags and they have uh, an Etsy store as well so I'll provide all of the links. They are long podcasts and I don't mind that, I actually really like that because then I don't have to keep on trying to find a new one to watch and a new one to watch and because there are three of them it automatically makes it longer um, they have lots and lots of fun uh, there are bits when they have tears rolling down their faces I really love it and you can see that they've got such a lovely rapport with each other and a really lovely strong friendship and they can take the mick out of each other as well which I, I love it when people aren't too serious um, so yeah, have a look at that, Fibre Friends, and again that is on YouTube, so another um, visual one to go for. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to mention in Big Up was a set of yarns, it's not just one yarn, it's a set. Um, some of you may well remember Artisano yarns, and unfortunately they um, are no longer uh, a business, but the stock of artisanal was bought by a lady called Polly Jane um, and Pauline um, who is Polly Jane Yarns actually has been able to buy in new wool from the same supplier that artisanal had 
So if you were a big fan of artisanal yarns, and it was available worldwide, um, then you would have the potential to actually get very similar yarn back again via Polygene. So what I'll do is put up um, the photos that I took when I saw Polygene Pauline at our trunk show about two months ago now. Um, and then I'll pinpoint you towards her website because she's got the range that she's getting, um, which is the stuff that's very similar to the artisanal range as was, including a really beautiful silk blend that they used to do and Pauline's managed to get something very similar um, and it's, it's lovely to feel. Um, but she also designed, not designed, sorry, she also dyes some of her own yarn as well. So I'll provide photos you'll be able to see what they all look like, but um, have a look at Polygene yarns and see what you think. Links will be in the show notes and also on screen. That leaves me with what's good. And I've got a couple of little ones. One is, I think I've persuaded Matthew to let me go to the John Arbor Open Mill Days. <laughs> um, they're being held on the 10th and 11th of June, and it is no secret that I am a massive massive fan of what John and Julia did. I thoroughly enjoyed being able to go down there and um, interview John about his process and just see the passion and enthusiasm that he has got for fibre and seeing their old mill machinery being lovingly looked after and used day in day out. And also on the back of that weekend that Matty and I had down in Devon, you know, a really nice friendship there with John and Juliet and so that idea of being able to go down and see the, the mill opening and, and see how other people react to um, John Arvin Textiles yarn is really fascinating for me so Matthew might come down. It is download weekend which is like a metal festival so I don't know. I'm hoping. I suggested it and he said that's download weekend and I went oh Oh, okay, and he was like, yeah, but it's John and Juliet, so, like, who needs download? Good husband, good, good, good husband. You don't need loud, heavy metal music. You need wool in your life. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I might hold him to that one. And the other thing that I've got as a what's good is that Wolfest is coming up, and that's one of my other favourite um wool shows within the UK. It's up at Cockermouth in Cumbria in the Lake District and John and Juliet will be there vending. Tanya will be there with her Dorset buttons. Lots of people that I know. I, I did hear on their podcast that Laura from the All and And podcast, I think she's going but I don't know what day she's going. So if anybody else is going, that is the next um, festival that I'm heading to. So if you want to meet up, it would be lovely to meet up with you. Just let me know what day you're going to be there because as of yet, I could go either on the 23rd of June or the 24th. I think the 23rd is slightly quieter, um, but I could go on the Saturday if I needed to. So if you're heading to Wolfest, drop me a line and let me know if you want to meet up for a coffee and show me what you've bought and I can squidge what you've bought and be utterly jealous because I don't, I don't think I need to buy any more for a good long while. For designs, I think I've got enough to be cracking on with. So that was, that's what's good. Yeah. Right, my lovelies, I am done. Hopefully, um, this podcast finds you well, 
and you've had a great month, you all had a great Easter, and then you've all got sunshine coming your way because summer is but around the corner. So I shall talk to you again in a month's time. Remember, I'm on Ravelry and Instagram if you want to chat in between the podcast recording. And uh, yeah, it's it's always nice to have contact from everyone and to have the thumbs up and the subscribe button hit and the like button hit. And to have, you know, nice conversations going on Ravelry and Instagram. So, I shall see you soon. Thank you very much. Over and out. Bye-bye.